This is the No More Wasted Days podcast, and we're your hosts, Sarah Kaufman Bradstreet and Heather PG. Grab your favorite NA drink and listen as we share vulnerable stories so you never feel alone on your alcohol-free journey. And gain insights from us as we break down our most used tips and strategies that have kept us alcohol-free. It's time to break free from wasting any more of your days to the drinking blackout hangover cycle. Welcome back to another episode of the No More Wasted Days podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Sarah. And I'm Heather. Welcome back, Heather. It's good to see you again. Hey, it's good to see you too. So today we're going to be talking about values. And you might be thinking, what do values and alcohol-free life have in common? Well, we're going to tell you. So I know when I ditched alcohol, it was a really reflectionary period for me. Like once I got past a couple weeks, I started thinking like, who am I like without this right. substance? And, you know, I had turned 40. I just had a baby. So I think all of that encourages us to be reflectionary as well. Like those yeah. milestones are huge. So mm-hmm. did you it is- find yourself in like reflection or? Yeah. When you were saying like, I sat there being like, who am I? I totally remember that because... Alcohol was intertwined in everything I did. It was, I mean, it truly, truly was. And it was something that I found out. I thought about all the time. And all of a sudden, it was no longer a part of my life. But I was thinking about it all the time since I had just newly quit drinking. But all of a sudden, you start to have this vision for yourself that's a little different than it used to be. And that was just huge for me. So I'm really excited about this topic because I definitely, As I was reading over the notes, I was like, yes, I have felt all these things. And I think our listeners, too, will go, oh, now I get it. Because it's one of those things that happens the farther and farther you go on your alcohol-free journey. But I think you feel it early on, too. Yeah. And this might help clear up some of the feeling the feelings and the stress if you take a moment to reevaluate them and obviously apply them to you as they are applicable. And to like what I valued as a 20-year-old. 30-year-old, 40-year-old, mm-hmm. I do think they change. And yeah, I think it's good to reevaluate them no matter where you are on your alcohol-free journey or in your life. Definitely. And I know I used to tell people one of my main goals when I was a drinker was just to have fun. I hope I have fun. And it's like, and it's still one of my main goals, values, whatever you want to call it, but it has changed so much and it has grown so much. I feel like I was very one-dimensional in my drinking life and now Mm. I'm very multi-dimensional. Yeah. And and if you do it all the time or you think about it all the time, it is a very dominating one dimension for sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think the best way to describe values is that who you are on the inside matches your outside. It took me a while to figure out what people meant when they said that. Not you know, your I was thinking that too. And not like the fact that I have a giant Wednesday Adams tattoo. That's not the outsides I'm talking about. But like who you are on the inside represents how you treat yourself, others, and how you show up in the world. Yes. And do they match? And I think when I was a drinker, I was completely out of alignment because, you know, my insides did not match my outsides. No. I love how you explained it, because I think that a lot of people, myself included, struggle with what are values? What are they? But I love the what you do on the outside, how you treat other people, how other people may explain you 
if they had to say, like, sum up Sarah in three words, what would they say? And does it actually match what I think on the inside? And I'm with you. As a drinker, it didn't match at all. Just because I was showing up into the world in a numbed state, in a state with no filter, and just like in a state that was tired because they were hungover. And I would think, oh, I am this person. I'm filled with kindness and patience and all of these things that I hope I have. But it definitely wasn't there on the outside. Yeah. A little example of that, as I used to say, well, I'm just late. Oh I'm just gosh, late yes. as a person. And while that might be somewhat true on occasion, turns out when I quit drinking, like I'm far more punctual. So yeah. you're never late for recordings. Little, and if you are, no. I get a message. Yeah. And, you know, it's just a really good time to think about what are my values. If you don't have any, well, hopefully this will, this will help. Or if you're like, well, God, I was 15 the last time I thought about it and it was taught to me by my grandfather. Well, here we are and it's now. And the coolest thing is you can decide and rewrite them if you want. If you don't mind sharing, what were your values that were taught to you when you were 15 by your grandfather? Well, my grandfather was a really great guy, but, you know, you work hard. You're a Christian and you do things the way that our family had always done things. And I think that was great for the 1940s. And sometimes you got to grow and change and unlearn some of the stuff that you don't even know how deeply woven it is into your fabric of a, of a person. You get to find what working hard is to you, your own spirituality, your own, you can make your own way. And just because every Thanksgiving you have this dish doesn't mean you always have to, you know, right. not everything has to be the way it was. So it's just like yeah. a small example. No, I like What about that. you, Sarah? I was was just, there some things that you... Well, I was thinking about it when you said my grandpa, because I remember him talking to me. We got really close when I was in college because I lived about an hour away from my grandma and grandpa, and I'd bring my piles of laundry to their house. <laughs> And it was an added bonus that I got to sit and chat with them more as an adult and get to know both of them. But my grandpa was very big on you work hard and you work very hard to take care of your family. And family was always number one. And it's something I gave my dad a StoryWorth book this year to fill out. And in all of his StoryWorth things, that shows up a lot. Family is important. Family is the number one value. And I kind of now am thinking, do I show up that way? Does my working hard look like my grandpa's working hard, my dad's working hard? Probably not. It's a little bit different. But I definitely hold that work ethic deep within me because of both of them. Yeah. I think when we're thinking about values, they really guide kind of like what you just said, how we live and work and make decisions throughout our day, big decisions, little decisions. I don't think we realize how much they influence what we do. Mm -hmm. And I just think it's a good thing to ponder on and think like, well, what are they? So, yeah. yeah they, I mean, and another thing too, like they exist whether we recognize them or not. Yep. Because so they're kind of something that are so ingrained into us from a young age. So you're carrying them yeah. with you. And who knows if you're reflecting them to the world the way you think you are. Right. So I, I think some ways to do this in my research are pretty simple. So step one, identify times you were the happiest. What were you doing? Who were you with? And what factors contributed to your happiness? I'm trying to think of those things and right now. 
And, you know, it can be really simple. Like you were at a concert with your friend and you heard music and you were eating a delicious snack or you were on a vacation with your spouse and your kids and you were at the beach and you were really enjoying the air and the scenery. You know, it can be really simple. It doesn't have to be anything grandiose. Just what brought you joy and think about what were you doing? Who were you with? Because whether we like to say it or not, the company we keep is important. It is. I know when I was thinking of where am I the happiest, when am I the happiest, we have a lake really close to us and we go kayaking it and kayaking at it as much as we can in the summertime. And it's probably the spot whenever people say, think of your happy place. There's a spot where you're kayaking and you go a little bit farther on the lake than regular people go. Regular people go. If you're not swimming, this is where only the kayakers can go. So it's pretty quiet back there. And there's a waterfall. And every time it gets me, my husband always turns and looks at me and I'm like, it's getting me. I'm over here crying. (laughs) It's just where I feel so happy every time. And it's also, I'm always there with my husband. I'm always there most of the time with my kids. And then this summer I got to take my parents. It's like one of the places that I take people when they come. I think that goes into values of moving my body, realizing how important mother nature is to me. And realizing how important it is to share these moments with my family. Yeah. I think for me, on the most simple example I can give is in our upstairs den, just the three of us hanging out, you know, reading a story or watching a movie or playing these silly games that only we would know what in the world we're even talking about. I think that would definitely be like a very current and simple example. Kind of leading you to see that family is such a big value. Yeah. Definitely. And for step two, recall recall the moment of pride. Like, why were you proud? Did others share the same feelings and pride? So it's kind of encouraging you to, again, kind of look at your your circle, your vibe, your tribe. Mm -hmm. You know, were they having a happy time? Were they, you know, feeling the experience or, you know, on the same on the same level and in the same way? Yeah. And were they cheering you on? That's a big one for me. Yes. Are my people excited when I'm excited about an accomplishment? I'm trying to think of when I had one. Um, Gosh, our house build has been filled with these moments where we walk in in the morning and think, I don't know if we can do this. Like when we raised a giant beam, I was, I, man, we were worked up. That was a huge visualization moment like me and Ryan are going to do this it's just the two of us nobody was available to help us we had our plan we knew we had to move this beam that was like 600 pounds I don't know I'm not even exaggerating we used like Egyptian techniques at some point I remember being like it's like we're the Egyptians trying to build the pyramids this is crazy but we did it and all of a sudden at the end of the day we could walk away from the house and the house finally started taking shape because it wasn't just walls anymore it was walls with a giant beam going across where you could tell the, where the roof was going to go and it was just like it was so much pride in that moment it was so cool to share it with Ryan and it was so it was so cool to both of us be so scared sounds backwards yeah. sounds wrong right but both of us be so scared at different times and cheer each other on. Definitely a moment that stands out for me. That's huge. Literally and physically. Crazy. But this is why I I do these crazy things. You get to chase these big moments where you have that intense feeling. Yeah. I think 
for what popped in my head out of the many examples is like when we moved in 2023. Yeah, we did have help, but that was a huge accomplishment that we were very proud of. And our, our daughter, as much as she can express pride, you know, I think we were all pretty, pretty proud. Was it just you and Martha that basically did all the, the moving, filling up the moving truck, getting all your stuff? No. <laughs> I was like, she dang, offered. Heather. No. She offered, and we we outsourced that for sanity. So we were buying and selling and moving 100 miles, and we have a cat and a little one. So, And it's a lot. It's major to move like that. And who do you think you share most of the moments of pride with when you when you look back at it? In the here and in the here and now, Martha and my best friend, for sure. That's what I was just meaning. Thinking. Like, I'm like, yeah, I'll talk to my bestie, and I'm like, we did it. And she's like, girl, I knew when you were here that yeah, we're going to do it. She lives in the city, so <laughs> it's kind of one of those you get your mind set up and you do it. So the third step is to reflect on times when you are most fulfilled and satisfied. You know, what needs and desires were fulfilled and how did these experiences give your life meaning? Mm. I think this one can be kind of challenging because you have to be pretty vulnerable with yourself. But I do think it's worth it. And getting honest, especially like when you're on your alcohol-free journey, you may not know or be able to answer some of these questions, but you can write it down and look for opportunities to fill in these blanks. Yeah. You don't have. That one for me almost goes into more of like when I'm full-on relaxation mode and I can chill. And I just am like, all the work is worth it. I can finally relax in my space and just feel 100% at ease. I think of chilling in our house or our yurt right now under this amazing blanket that I have with the, with the fire going. Those are my moments where it's like all desires are met. I feel totally satisfied. If I can watch a good show and if my kids are around enjoying it with me and everybody's settled in, like that's, that's I always say the ending I've been waiting all day to get to sit on this couch. I always say that to my kids. Like, hurry up with the chores for dinner. This is mom's second favorite part of the day. <laughs> Let's get to it. Yeah. I think that's my thing. Yeah. I think going back to the den example, similar, it's kind of all tied together. Then we get to relax in the house that we moved to. And in y'all's case, in the house that y'all are building, it's just gratitude for the, for the biggest things. I get they may sound so small. You know, whenever I think of what are the things I want in my life, what are the things I desire in my dream life, I've kind of hit this moment where I'm like, I, I feel it now. I'm starting to feel it now. So when people ask me that question, I'm like, I don't want much more. I would like the house to be finished. I would like to not live in a camper trailer, but that's coming. So it's just, and I feel like quitting drinking has given me that feeling of peace in my life. And I don't think people think about that as something when they're taking on like a 30-day challenge or I'm going to quit for 100 days or a year and then it turns into a lifetime, however you do it. I don't think we expect this feeling of complete peace in our life where you can finally say, I'm happy. When people say, well, are you happy? Yeah, I really am. And if I'm not, I have the tools to work on it because I've worked so hard on this alcohol-free journey. And too, like your insides match your outside. Yeah. So if you're living in alignment with your highest YSL self or however you want to word that that's applicable to you, like you are going to feel more at peace. Yeah. And one thing for me that I've been reflecting on a lot lately, there's a lot of new members doing dry January. And I've been talking a lot about the guilt I would feel when I was hungover. 
because I couldn't give my kids their best or my husband. And I would try to get us out of everything when I was hungover. Like, how how can I make this not be about my hangover? Because I don't want anybody to know. And I didn't want anybody to know I had a hangover because I felt so guilty about how I had gotten there. And when you talk about the insides matching the outsides, I don't feel that anymore. There's never this like, oh, it's all my fault because I chose to drink again last night and now it's effed everything up. I never feel that anymore. And I think that's where a lot of this comes into. Like you finally do feel satisfied with yourself. You finally feel happy from the inside out. I think that when we're living up to our values that we decide and we're in integrity or our insides match our outsides, the guilt goes away or a lot. It doesn't go away completely, but a lot of it does dissipate. Mm-hmm. And you can finally start navigating through all the the crap that was the guilt and the shame from the drinking. Finally, that starts dissipating. It doesn't completely because you'll still always kind of think about things you did when you were drunk that you wish you wouldn't have done. But even that gets easier to manage the farther you go. And finally, you can start saying, oh, I just feel this way or that way. I'm not so focused on the the icky feelings inside and outside. Let's face it, when you're drinking all the time, you just yeah. don't feel well either way. Definitely. So step four, you can determine your top values based on these experiences. So think about why were these moments important and memorable. And when you list several examples, you can extract your top three. Or you can have 10. It's your story that you're writing. So you can have as many as you want. I know for me, when I reflect back on Heather as a non-drinker, honesty, authenticity, and family are my top three. And not in that order. It's just what came off the top of my head. Just right now. Did you just figure that out right now? Or did you have a plan? I was like, dang, Heather. (laughs) That's good. (laughs) I just, they just live in my head because like, Honesty, you know, the word sober is free from. So that's the actual meaning. So free from lies to myself or others. Being able to know what I said the night before is a form of honesty for Mm -hmm. me. And know what I did or what I said is a huge part of me being honest with myself and to other people. And being authentic is important because you don't have that like social lubricant or buffer. You just are who you are. And if people don't like it, well, I'm not everybody's cup of sparkling water. So there you go. And like, you just don't worry about it as much, or I don't. You really don't. I always wonder if that's an aging thing or a quitting drinking thing. And I think it's both. mm -hmm. I think so. It's, I don't know that anybody ever lives a hundred percent authentically because we have to put on some type of mask to be in certain environments, but as close as you can get, to who you think is your authentic self with the people that you're writing down in this exercise is pretty awesome. I know that one of mine is family. And now thinking about it, I feel like I need to work on it a little harder. I always am very hard on myself in this area, but I just always think, I just want my kids to think, well, she was always there. She always showed up. And so I guess that's a little bit of, is that integrity? Just being, doing what you say you're going to do, showing up when you say you're going to show up. But definitely to the most, the three most important people in my life, my kids and Ryan. And then, gosh, one of them, I feel like, is it okay to have the, is it okay to have this value of like joy or happiness? Yeah, absolutely. Because I feel like that's one where I always used to think, I hope people remember me as fun. Now I think, I hope people remember me as happy, as enjoying 
showing up and being present and enjoying the present moment. I know I always talk about this as I hope people remember me, but that it helps me kind of define these things. People always talk about like, what would you hope people would say in your eulogy, which is a little dark. But I am like, well, what would I hope? I hope they're not like, she was kind of a bitch and nobody shows up. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I think joy and happiness is a huge value. And I think that trying to find it through a substance is very normalized and, Mm -hmm. you know, was my normal for a very long time. And it's not there. Yeah. I've done the research. (laughs) Right. I know. Me too. I always, because people do when they say, but how do you have fun? I was like, are you kidding me? I wasn't having fun when I thought I was having fun. I was maybe for it, you know, and I'm not going to say that drinking wasn't fun. Obviously it was. It's one of the reasons we all do it, right? There's moments of it. Mm -hmm. But when you finally have real fun and it's authentic and you belly laugh with somebody and it's not alcohol induced, it's not drug induced, it's just you enjoying it. It is the coolest thing ever. And maybe it doesn't, like maybe you can't, force it to happen in your real life, but that makes it all the better, I think. Yeah. And I think that when we use alcohol, it's not all bad and it does serve us some type of purpose. But in the here and now, I just choose to find my values or to have fun in a different in a different way. And it's yeah, much, much, much better. And I'm definitely not saying that alcohol was so fun that I could see myself going back. Not not at all. I just know when you're talking about the driving force of why you did it, it was like, well, it was yeah. kind of fun. But the fun was yeah. not worth the end result. No, not at all. Not like at 10 all. minutes of fun for 24 hours of regret and being sick. Right. So when you, on step five, when you prioritize your top values, this is where you can take a deep look into yourself. When you're faced with decisions that satisfy the different values, know which is more important to you. So going back to the beginning, our values guide a lot of our decisions and choices that we make. And so this is how we can use them to decide which is important. So an example would be if you value family and you work 90 hours a week, you're not going to be happy in either aspect Mm -hmm. because you're out of match with your values. Or if you're like really competitive person and you're not in a competitive career, you're not going to like it or vice versa. I struggle with this one a lot because I talk about family a lot and then I work a job that has no hours. I just, I I get to work on the no more wasted days business when I can. And sometimes it's when my kids are doing dishes and they're trying to have a conversation with me. And I have to have these moments of like, okay, do I need to, I honestly think now, okay, is this lining up with what I want? They're not going to want to talk to me forever. Maybe I should just listen. And it really is this balancing game of like, okay, well, we just had dinner together. Like we were all together. It's okay. Now I've got this moment where I need to do this thing that's going to take me 10 minutes. Then we're back in the game. But it's taken things like I don't bring my phone with me places when I do know I want to be really, really present. My husband does not have this problem. So a lot of time, because you'll think, well, how do you get pictures of your kids then? My husband does it. I just say, okay, I can't have my phone. We all know I have an issue. And it really is like I call it my job. And sometimes it's just me numbing out and not being present with my family, which I keep telling myself, they're just not going to be with me 24-7 much longer. So I got to live it up with my kids as much as I can and be present and 
step away from a business that I'm working really hard on and really is my focus. And I love helping people quit drinking, but it's hard when you have a job like this. I know you're similar because you've got the same with your coaching business and just showing up in all these different aspects. Yeah. I think where I can find a mismatch sometimes is the exact example that you just gave to include the phone. But what's super cool is I'm not going into an office for 12 hours, Mm -hmm. seven days a week or five days a week, you know, so I can have that flexibility to be present for the dinners and the time in the den and our daughter's bedtime. So I think that's, that's where like the, the balance does come in, but we forget about the way that it was when we were going somewhere for 50 hours a week, you know, where we physically couldn't be near them if needed or. Mm -hmm. Definitely. And I didn't even get to be around when they were in preschool and those earlier ages because I was working and Ryan was the, I not a stay at home dad. He was building an online business. So he was a work from home dad, but I always do think, man, he got more time with them now. But when I was doing it, it never felt weird. But yeah, I lost time. I was with other people's kids, helping them form some little memories. And sometimes I'm like, dang, but now I get to, now I get to make up for that. And the thing is, too, when I was a teacher, I brought my work home. I went to work and then I brought work home. And then when I was sitting on the couch with Ryan in the evening, I was working on my lesson plans for the next day, making sure I was ready. So it definitely is when you, you can beat yourself up when you're an online entrepreneur and kind of be like, oh my gosh, I got to set parameters and set boundaries. But when you look at it that way, it's definitely an amazing yeah. trade. And the fact that I can go with eat lunch with my kids at their school and go on field trips if I want to, or if they want me to. They're teenagers now, so right. basically. <laughs> so for step six, reaffirm your values. Check and make sure they align with your life and your vision. Do they make you feel good about yourself? Are you proud of these values? And if you're listening and you're like, but I don't have any, you know, again, you get to pick them and try them out and rewrite them. And, or it's like a, as a guidepost to say like, oh, I feel wonky. Am I making decisions and living on the day to day, you know, from my place of values? I love this. I think I'm going to go re-go through all of these, which I urge the listeners to do too. Listen to this a few times and Usually in the show notes, it'll say what we're talking about. So you can even skip to that moment if you need to and really go through and think about it and revisit it. This is one of those cool ones to revisit like each quarter or each year and just say, am I, is this checking out with what I said? If I said that my, my values are integrity or isn't everybody just, if you're shouting at me that integrity isn't a value, then get in there or and is it lining up with a joyful life, a life filled with family? Is it all lining up? Go and recheck. And like, I love that you said too, like you write them, you can change them. Because I think that gives yeah. people permission to not freak out. Because, you know, when I quit drinking and battled cancer, I really started thinking about other people's opinion. What origin stories were actually mine? So this might be helpful if you're like, wait a minute, I don't know. It's a yeah. good way to to find out. Check in. And another way to kind of check it too is like, are you comfortable sharing these with people that you respect and admire? Or if you make a new friend or start dating someone new, are you comfortable sharing them? And this also gives you a guide when you're meeting other people, like what do they value? Mm -hmm. So you can make sure you vibe. And And you can tell a lot by what somebody's giving out to the world. Yeah. And even if 
you're in the minority of people that feel the way you do. Like, are you cool with that? Mm -hmm. And that's when I think about even with one of my values being my sobriety. It's really important to me. And somebody said on a TikTok comment that they said, welcome to the 2%. 2% of the population is sober. And I was like, wow, that is a low number. Wow. Who knows? This was a comment from somebody. I didn't research it, everybody. <laughs> like, a, But I am like, that puts you in the minority. So is it something that's yeah, for sure. valuable enough to you to be a value? Because it is for me. Like I, That is something that I hope my kids see. And I hope they see how important my sobriety is to me. And they understand why I chose this, which they're not going to understand that until they're older. But I hope that I portray that to them. That's huge too. And I say my sobriety is has to be my top priority a lot of times, which you'll hear a lot of people in early sobriety say like, is it normal to feel selfish? And I think that's right. part of it because you have yeah. to put it first. Otherwise, the honesty, the authenticity, the family can go to hell in a handbasket if you don't. Yeah. Yep. But those, it's so funny because I was thinking when I went through my values, I was like, oh, I didn't throw health in there. And I was like, well, that's with your sobriety. But yeah, that's super important to me. And one of the reasons is because the healthier I am, the longer I can show up for my kids. And if I if there's little things where I can put in a little daily deposit into my health, I'm going to do them because then it makes me healthy. And I think a lot of people say, well, you know, if you're working out, that's taking time away from your family. Yeah, not when you wake up before your family does mm -hmm. and you just get it done. And it's like, and it's actually giving to your family. Right. I think too that like that might be a value misalignment mm -hmm. or people just wanting to justify their own behavior. And like you can have a value that doesn't have to do with anything with your family, but you're showing your, your family what it's like to have a healthy mom physically and mentally. Yeah. So and that's with the sobriety be, piece, too. You may not all be working out at the same time every day, but you're showing them by example that it's an important value to you. You're yeah. mirroring healthy habits. So. And it's the kind of goes right into, too, like the mommy wine culture and the, well, I drink to manage my children. I drink to handle my kids. And it's like, what's that showing them? That you need a substance yeah. to to show up. And I think people do have that sometimes when they kind of fight back with the like, well, I, I'm sober for my kids or, you know, and I'm sober for me. I'm sober for a million reasons, but I'm sober for me first, for sure. But I know I show up better for everybody else this way. So it's OK to be selfish and own that sobriety and tell people you can't do things because it's not going to align with your values. That's OK. Protect yeah, it. Definitely. So. That's just a little mini intro to what I know about values so far. I hope you enjoyed it. If you're like, know a friend or your partner where you're like, oh, this could be really helpful, feel free to share it. Yes, definitely. And I feel like some of these are so valuable for people that aren't even on an alcohol-free journey. Maybe you got a normie partner. If you don't know what a normie is, it's one of those people who can drink one drink and not drink another one. So, but if you, if you happen to have one of those in your life, one of those, <laughs> but send them this episode and say, Hey, let's talk about our values. It's like you know, maybe the sobriety part's not going to hit for you, but this value portion is, is something worth looking at. Definitely. So that's what we have for you today on this episode. If you liked this, please drop into the comments and leave us a comment and a five-star review. We greatly appreciate it. And me and Heather both read all of those comments ourselves and we just love to see them. Yes. 
Thank y'all. You'll hear from us next week. All right. Bye. Bye.